0: Pastor Xavier Reese with a simple admonishment about how we treat or mistreat one another. They say the world is round and yet
1: I often think it's square. So many little hurts we get from corners here and there. But there's one truth in life I found while journeying east and west. The only folks we really wound are those we love the best. We flatter those we scarcely know, we please the fleeting guests, and deal for many a thoughtless blow to those
0: we love the best. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Is it manifested with things or expressed through emotion? The most enduring question throughout the ages is, what is love? Today, Pastor Xavier answers with a biblical definition for one of the most essential elements of the Christian life. Let's join him continuing our Simple Truths study series of 1 Corinthians for today's ever-relevant message. The more excellent way.
1: First Corinthians chapter thirteen. Let's begin here. Paul declares that all believers should seek to be vessels of God's agape love. He says, and yet I show you a more excellent way. He stated this in contrast to their seeking gifts through self-seeking motives in the previous chapter. Because they were flashy gifts and they were just looking at themselves. Now, Paul declared the preeminence of agape love here. He will mention the more excellent way nine times, agape. In the chapter, the word for love, agape, which expresses God's love for sinful man, is without any merit or worth in the New Testament. Best coin in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You want a very simple definition of agape love? Giving, giving, giving others. That's it. That's not natural for us. Paul does not use adjectives to describe agape love, but he uses verbs. Fifteen of them, all in the present tense. He shows that agape love is active, never static. He shows that agape love is concerned with others, not self. He shows agape love is not uh, based on human potential, but God's. Paul the Apostle here stated, agape love suffers long. Notice that. That's the first thing he says. It means, it's made up of two words, long and passion. The word means to be able to endure long, to be patient and bearing the offenses and injuries of others, not circumstances. The ability to control resentment in the face of provocation I think David is a good example of this remember when Shemaiah as he was fleeing from Absalom and he kept Joab from going over and killing him he was throwing rocks at him and cursing at him God humbled David see when we're humble before God then we can allow God to work through us but when we think we deserve what we have we're better then we're, we're arrogant even as Christians wow Paul stated God beloved his kind Mild, gentle, tender-hearted, gracious is what it means. Kindness is one of God's attributes, as you know. The nature of God's kindness is to bless. One of the manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit is kindness in Galatians 5.22. Notice next, the Apostle Paul declared the negative characteristics of of agape love. He does it in the negative to amplify the positive. Agape love does not envy. Envy means zeal behind a person or thing. The root word means to boil, to heat up. The word is in the negative. God, agape love does not envy people for they, who they are, what they do, and what they represent. And so the love of God rejoices and celebrates with and for a person. There was a person who wanted a truck here years ago through some TV thing, whatever. And I go, isn't that good? That is so great that that happened because they needed a car and look at this. It was so great. Now, I could have said that tired sucker. I don't know why God blesses him. Because that's how we are, right? But then I can say, you know, that God's so good. I'm so happy for him. No envy, no strife. Paul stated that God love does not parade itself. To boast, to brag, ostentatiously, that's what it means. The act of extolling oneself excessively, being insolent. Isn't this the character of the day? The Corinthians were like that, chapter 1, verse 17, 21. Mordecai is a good example of this. As he walked in the court of the king, he says, Who else would the king want to glory in and reward? Yeah, he's going to reward, he's going to hang it like a piñata. <laughs> Amazing. Paul said agape love is not puffed up. The idea of inflated pride. in the sense of one's importance. He already told him in chapter 8 verse 1. Love edifies. The first thing that God hates in the list of seven. In Proverbs 6.17. Is a proud look. There's a difference with having confidence and being proudful. Don't confuse them. Pharaoh said well who is Yahweh. That I should let them go. Well you'll find out. Maybe can say, look at all of this, this is the Babylon, I have built, I, I, I. Okay, you're going out in the grass for a while. Paul stated, agape love does not behave rudely, disgracefully, improperly, dishonorable, indecent. Agape love is of God, courteous, honorable. Paul stated, agape does not seek its own. The nature of God's love is not self-centered. Pursuing personal happiness, welfare, and safety as the chief thing of life, but the benefit and the good of others—that's why we got saved. That's why we're called Christians. The tension is always there. The warfare. The old man wants to rule, and I have to reckon him dead. I have to put on the mind of Christ. I have to bring my thoughts in captivity. I have to put the armor of God. I have to do battle. I cannot turn my back. There's no armor on my back. Paul stated, be love is not provoked." It means to stimulate, spur, to urge, to irritate, to arouse. The fact of, and the act of exasperating, irritating, angering someone by wrongdoing or injury, or insult. We love that. Trying to get his gold. I'm relishing in it. It's about time he got what's coming to him. Really. What happened if you got what you were coming to you? <laughs> Paul stated, "A godly love thinks no evil." It means to reckon or to take no account of something. It's an accounting term. Legisomai. Agape love of God does not keep a ledger of wrongdoing. I do. The old man. But not the Lord. The parable of the evil servants. Case in point here. Remember in in Matthew 18. Where the master forgave him millions of dollars. Then his buddy owed him. A few pennies, and he took him to jail, threw him in jail. And then the other servant saw it and accused him to his master. And he said, listen, come here. How much did I forgive you? Everything. And you, healed you just pennies? You evil servant. Now listen, that parable is you, me. It's not for me to say, what a terrible guy. That's to remind me who I am without Christ. Look at 6. Paul stated, "Agape love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth." The word "iniquity" again means wrong or evil. Love, agape love, does not rejoice in the sins of others. You don't rejoice when somebody falls into sin. You say, "Ah, that's good. That's what he gets." Love does not rejoice in the calamity of others or the failures. But as natural men, as sinful men and women, well, should sure we do? We may not. That for oh, that's terrible, and then they walk away. <laughs> Sucker, that's what he gets. Because our heart's evil, the actions of agape love is for the good of people, and forgiveness, for reconciliation, and restoration through obedience, and glorifying God in all things. And maybe He had in mind here some of the lawsuits of chapter six. Remember, they were all trying to get over on each other with money and everything else. Stephen's a good example at this point, as he prayed for the forgiveness of those who were going to stone him to death in Acts seven. Jesus did it from the cross. Stephen did it on earth. So we have no excuse. A Christian can never say, I cannot to the Lord. Your salvation is not inferior to mine or anybody else's. We all have the same salvation. It's up to me whether I want to die to self and have Christ live through me. Bottom line. Look at 7. The Apostle Paul declared the power of love. Agape love here. Paul said agape love bears all things. The word bear there means to put up with. Pass over in silence and keeping confidential everything. Love conceals and what is displeasing and endures what is unpleasant. Are you telling me that's natural? No way. Agape love is loyal and faithful to the person That's Christ without complaining. James 5.20 says, Let him know that he who turns a sinner from his error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Agape love is the nature of God working through a person. Agape love is beyond explanation. God tells you to forgive that person, to do this for that person. And other people say, what are you? Why are you letting them take advantage of you? If God told you to do it, but you by God. They may think you're stupid. God says, you're godly. Now which one you want? Paul's suffering for Christ is a good example. All his sufferings, if it wasn't out of agape love for the Lord and people... I won't get no reward. But he loved the people of God. He loved the people of God so much he said, listen, those Jews that want to kill me, they're my people. And if they could be saved, I'll go to hell for them. He says that in Romans. Agape love is not gullible, it's not naive, it's not suspicious. It accepts what it sees and adheres as genuine until further information comes in. You understand? The qualifying adjective again, I'm being purposeful here. All each, any, Every, always distinguishing it from the human in potential. Agape has a potential. God's nature through the person. Beyond explanation. Noah would be a good example here. He believed all things. God says, I'm going to cause the rain. Noah says, what's rain? (laughs) I'm going to kill the whole earth. Okay. I'm going to give you a hundred years. Okay. He believed it. Paul stated agape love. Hopes all things. The word hope means to wait expectantly. Agape love of God never gives up expecting the best. Failure is not what it's hoping for, that's its final end. Optimism and steadfast confidence is its character, the nature of God working through you, through I, beyond explanation. How can you put up with that wife? How can you put up with that husband? Because Jesus saved me and Jesus filled me with his love. Why do you do this? Why do you do that? And what confuses me is these questions come from Christians, not from non-believers. When non-believers ask the question, I understand it. They're dead. But when Christians are telling me and they're trying to get at me because I'm trying to be Christ-like, amazing. Paul stated, agape love endures all things. To take patiently and remain under steadfast. To stand one's ground with a sense of great perseverance while not losing heart or discouragement or courage. It's used of those who endure a great trial of afflictions in Hebrews 10.32. Again, the qualifying adjective for the fourth time is all. Distinguish it from human love. God's nature working through you and I. Beyond explanation. Notice third and last, 8 through 13. The permanence of agape love. In verse 8, the Apostle Paul contrasts agape love to the gifts. Paul stated that the love of God does not fail. Love never fails. The nature of God's love is just like Him. Ever dependable. It's God's very nature. God's agape love will make us more like Jesus. Listen to 1 John four seventeen: Love has been perfected in us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we in this world. I mean, look and see how far you've come from when you were first born again. I'm in process. I'm not complete yet. Paul stated that the gifts will fail one day now. Whatever there are prophecies, they'll fail. There will be tongues, they will cease. Whether there's knowledge, it will vanish away. Now, notice Paul said, but these other things, agape never fails, but these things will. Paul stated the prophecy will fail one day. Be it in proclamation of the word or predictive nature, the prophecies will fail. The word there, which means render idle, inactive, and operative. And by the way, all of these are in the future tense. One day we won't need no more prophecies. Jesus will come back. Paul stated tongues will cease one day. They are for the church age, but they will cease one day. But tongues will cease, it says, means desist. Again, it's the future tense. When, when Jesus comes, and we'll make this clear as we move on here, Paul stated knowledge will vanish away. Again, it's the future tense when Jesus comes. All the gifts are for the benefit of man, not God. And so the apostle now in verse nine and ten declared the present imperfect state, in contrasted to the perfect state to come. Paul stated. That man in this present state is imperfect. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. All human beings know only in part. Regardless of how much we know, how much we study. All believers possessing the gifts, prophecy, exercise the gift or any other gift in part. And because we're human, we can fail in them. Look at 10. Paul stated the reason as well as the explanation for why the gifts will cease one day. But when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away. The time of no more gifts and man's imperfection will be when Jesus returns for his church. And certainly at the second coming, it will bring it to full close. The word perfect there, teleos, means what is complete and brought to its end. Vanish away, kateheo again, idle, inoperative, inactive. It's the same as verse 8, and again it's in the future tense. Some have attempted to interpret the word perfect as the closed and complete canon of Scripture to prove that the gifts, certain gifts are no longer valid. They stopped in the apostolic age. This is a very dishonest interpretation of the exposition Of the text. Verse 12 refers to our presence before Jesus Christ. Prior to the start of the 20th century, all commentators understood and interpreted that which is perfect as Jesus Christ, and so do all the major Greek scholars. And there are people who are great expositors, very brilliant. But they're very dishonest in the exposition. Because of their denominational background, they teach that the gifts, certain gifts, are not for today. Tongues, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. But they butcher the text. It's not what it's saying. It's not what the Greek says. If it is speaking of the ceasing of the gifts, why hasn't knowledge vanished away in prophecy and tongues? All stand and fall together, right? In other words, the three are mentioned. How can you say these two are gone, but this one remains? Are you selective? Do you have, are you a sidekick with God or what? And if you're the authority, God help me. They stand or fall together. If the tongues and prophecy have ceased, then why are we increasing the knowledge? Why didn't that cease? You see, it's dishonest. Why does Paul tell the Corinthians that the gifts were until the Lord returned? In chapter 1 verse 7. Why did he tell him to seek the best of the gifts. Continue in chapter 12 verse 31. Why will he tell him in the next chapter. Not to stop people from speaking in tongues. Now not everybody has tongues. Okay so. Relax. Many parts. Okay. Simple. Look at 11. The apostle Paul declared the present state. To be progressive. Temporary and imperfect. By way of an illustration. Paul stated. His life as a child govern his conduct for life. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. Paul said that he was a child, and when he was a child, he spoke as a child. That's natural, simple. There's no hidden message here. And what he understood as a child, and the development, so he needed instruction, he needed to be taught. He says he thought as a child, he reasons as a child. Why? Because he was immature. We all understand that. The Corinthians were acting like children, rather than mature adults. Carnal, spiritual children, needing milk and care and instruction. He told that in chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. And then Paul stated his life as an adult governed the conduct of his life then. There was a transition. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So Paul became an adult at a point in time. The word but marks a sharp contrast from child to adult. And the word became means it came into existence in indicative, perfect, active. A point in time when it happened. He didn't act like a child anymore. And so Paul no longer conducted himself as that child, but as a man. He put away childish things. The word put away again is katahero. It means to render idle and active and operative. Same as in verse 8 for all three gifts. Now, the tense is not future now, but indicative present active. In other words, He no longer acts as a child, but as an adult man in the Lord. The Corinthians were acting carnal as babes in Christ. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 and 2. It's a spanking that he's giving them. You know what I mean? He's reproving them. Now look at 12. The Apostle Paul declared the the application now of the illustration to explain the present temporary spiritual state of imperfection. Paul stated a parallel to the child and adult illustration by a second illustration, a mirror. Which is kind of different, but he does this. For now we see in mirror dimly, but then face to face. The present state of all believers regarding spiritual matters is like looking into a mirror dimly. You say, what the heck is that? The mirrors of that day were made of polished metals, not glass. The idea is that of reflection dimly, not with full clarity here. Notice the contrast cannot be missed, but then face-to-face. So the present state is imperfect, dimly, or obscure. The future state will be face-to-face with clarity. So Paul gives the interpretation to his illustration. He doesn't want to take a chance on letting the Corinthians interpret it. Listen carefully. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. He made the direct explanation and application here to their present state, saying, Now I know in part. Regardless of his age in Christ and our knowledge, in the absence of Jesus, we only know partially, all of us. Nevertheless, the believer's spiritual state should always be pressing forward in process developing, growing, and maturing on every level. Remember the context of spiritual gifts exercised through agape love. This is what they were lacking. Look at the last verse, 13. The apostle Paul declared the priority of agape love among the three prominent virtues. And now abides faith, hope, and love, these three, but the grace of these is agape. Paul stated faith is essential for life and fellowship with God. Faith speaks of the present for our daily walk. Faith abides, he says. It remains. Paul stated, hope is essential for trust and expectation from God. Hope speaks of the future. Hope abides. Same word, remains. Paul stated, agape love is essential for quality of life with man and God. Agape love holds and ties faith and hope together. Present and future, love holds them together. Agape love abides, remains. Same thing. Notice Paul stated agape love to be the superior one of the three virtues. The first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord like God with all your heart, mind, and soul. The second is love your neighbors yourself. Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, and these two hang all along the prophets. Agape love is the greater due to the fact that it is the very nature of God and is able to be manifested through the Holy Spirit in each of our lives. That is an incredible miracle, ladies and gentlemen. They say the world is round and yet I often think it's square. So many little hurts we get from corners here and there. But there's one truth in life I've found while journeying east and west. The only folks we really wound are those we love the best. We flatter those we scarcely know. We please the fleeting guests and deal for many a thoughtless blow to those we love the best. That's you. That's me. When we don't walk in God's love. Agape love is to be the distinguishing mark of the church and disciples. Jesus said in John thirteen, thirty five, By this shalom, I know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. First John four seventeen and eighteen says this Agape has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in agape, but perfect agape casts out fear. Because fear involves torments. But he who fears has not been made perfect in agape love. Paul has described the more excellent way, agape love, to manifest the gifts from three vantage points here. The preeminence of agape love is God's proclamation. The potential of agape love is God's expectation. And the permanence of agape love is God's perfection you God give us wisdom.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese, summing up the simple truths about the greatest gift of agape love. And you can request a copy of today's important study called The More Excellent Way. Of course, it's available for just $4. And by the way, this message also contains everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. That title to ask for once again is The More Excellent Way. 91107. And please don't forget to include the call letters of this station when you contact us. Be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Xavier Reese offers the simple truths, clearing up the confusion and controversy regarding spiritual gifts. Hope you'll be back.